Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. All right. It's been a good morning so far, right? It's just going to get gooder and gooder. Well, it's, 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 a, it's an honor to share with you today. I am not Pastor Aaron, uh, if you have not figured that out. I told um, Pastor Aaron, which he started an amazing new series, which in his opinion is going to be the best series yet, um, and it is. I'm like super excited. Week one was just awesome. Um, we're so excited uh, for week two. So um, this Wednesday is our first Wednesday. Pastor Aaron and Diane will be back with us to share week two of the series Havoc. Um, it's going to be talking about fear. Um, so you don't want to miss it. Make plans to be here, to be back. Um, you know, Pastor Aaron, uh, goodness, it's been several months ago now. He, he uh, got the staff here a book um, called Stepping Up. And in that book, it just talks about stepping up and being confident in what God has called you to do, what he's call, who he's called you to be, what he's called you to do. Um, that book was absolutely pivotal in, in my walk during that season. Um, just was going through kind of a, a really difficult season. Have you ever been there? Where it's like on the outside, everything, even on the outside when everything should be going great and you should feel good about what's happening around you, you still find yourself in a, in a place of, oh, I'm just, I'm not content. Man, I wish there was more. I wish there was something different. Am I the only one? You guys there? Okay. We got deep real quick, I guess, huh? Um, but this book really just, um, it, it was amazing. So he asked us at the beginning of the year, he said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to schedule you all, and I want you to talk about some things that you learned from this book. Um, so that's what we're going to do today. Um, we're going to dive in. Everybody say, I'm ready. I'm, ready. I'm, willing, I'm willing to listen. To listen. I'm, excited. I'm excited. Look to your neighbor and say, this is important to me. Look to your other neighbor, and if you don't have a neighbor, look across the row, or look behind at Pastor Devin, and say, don't interrupt me. Now, if that person already interrupted you and you need to find a new seat, you can go ahead and do that. Um, but we're going we're gonna to dive right into it. So you've already committed that this is important to you. I tricked you. This is important to you. Um, today, listen, I'm not here to be, um, to preach at you. I'm not here to teach at you. Think of it as a, a conversation. Let's get real for a minute. It's a conversation where I'm the only one talking, but um, <laughs> still yet. I just want to, we, we need to unpack some things. Let's, let's look in second, or in third John, chapter one, verse two. It'll be on the screen here. It says, beloved, I pray that in every way you may succeed. Anybody want to succeed? And prosper. How about that? And be in good health. How about that? And I love what the, uh, the Amplified says here, that you may succeed and prosper and be in good health, what? Physically. Those are great things to stand in faith for, to believe for. We believe God is able. We believe he's willing. We believe he's big enough. But it says this, just as your soul prospers spiritually. There's a prerequisite for us to walk in the abundance and the prosperity and the health. And prosperity is just not financially. I mean, sometimes people get this prosper message all wrong and they think it's just bless me, bless me, bless me financially. No, it's spirit, your soul, your body. It is a all-around prosperity. And so what he's saying here is I pray that you would be prosperous, that you would succeed, that you would be in good health, even as your spirit man prospers. And we've got to quit thinking that we have to get everything physically ready before we're able to spiritually get fit. Because sometimes we think, well, if I can have this together, and if I could do this, and if people would see me this way, and if I could get the, the nooks and the crannies and the, the things linked up in my life that make it appear as though 
I've got it all together. Then I can bring my stuff to God because I've already taken care of the mess. Now I can come and I can get in relationship with him. That's what religion will tell you. You won't find that in the Bible. Actually, you'll find things like, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And I will do what? I'll give you rest. You see, when we get saved... I think sometimes we think, oh, God will take care of my mess. Nope. You have to give God your mess. You have to surrender your mess. You have to openly give it to him. He's not intimidated by it. Can I tell you that? He already knows it. So don't hide it. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to put a physical band-aid on a spiritual need in your life. And let's give it to the Lord and say, okay, I know it's not much. We just sang about it. But this is all I have. And as I give you my care, as I give you my worry, as I give you the stress, as I give you maybe the panic button in my life, as I give you all these things that I'm holding on to, I'm going to lift a hand and I'll also give you a hallelujah. Because I know that in the middle of my mess, when I surrender it, that he is able to take those things and do what I could never do with it on my own. Amen? So in order, we want to shout about these things. Hey, I want to be in good health. I want to prosper. I want to succeed. How's your soul? How's your soul? You know, in in Scripture, soul and heart can be kind of interchanged. I'm not talking about the heart, the muscle that pumps blood. It says, out of the abundance of your heart, you're what? You're, as Pastor Aaron says, you're yapper yaps. You speak out of the abundance of your heart. You speak. You think that's the muscle pumping blood? No, that's your soul. What are you feeding your soul? Because what's in your soul comes out of your mouth. So we have to target our soul. The physical can't happen without a healthy soul. We have to invest into our spiritual lives. The word says, greater is he, we can all quote this, who is where? Within me. And he who is where? In the world, around me. We get so focused on the around me that we forget the within me. If we can concentrate on the within me and believe that within me he's greater, then the around me things will begin to change. Because why? We're not in charge of those things. We don't have to answer for those things. What's said to you, what's done to you, what happened in your past, it's nothing for the blood of Jesus to cover. When we start with our inner man, with our soul, and saying, greater is he who's within me, I will overcome whatever's happening around me. We understand that everywhere we go, everywhere, everything we hear, everything we do, everything we see, especially now in culture today, it is a fight for your soul. It's a fight for your heart. It's a fight for your emotions. It's a fight for your faith. It's so easy to turn something on isn't it? Isn't it crazy? You can turn something on and immediately you have a good day and oh my gosh, did you see what's going on around here? Can you believe what they're teaching in our schools? Can you believe what they're allowing? And what? Something on the inside just changes. It's a fight for your emotions. And we should, I mean, as believers, we should, we should be enraged at some of these things. We should, we should rise up in a holy anger about some of these things. But when we try to fight it with our own strength, We get bogged down. We get discouraged. We feel defeated. When the soul is connected to the physical, we fail. When our soul is attached to everything that's going around us, we fail. But when it's attached to the spiritual, we overcome. We overcome. All right, so um, today you've already committed to me that you are ready to go, that you're here, right? All right, so I'm going to tell you the title, No Judgment, all right? No Judgment. The title of today's message is Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Soul. I've got two kids. Come on, y'all. And I thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? I want you to walk away remembering exactly what we talked about today. And every time you hear that song, some of you all are probably already singing it halfway through the course right now. (laughs) 
you're going to think about this message. Head, shoulders, knees, and soul. Let's unpack this today. You know, we talk about the soul, and uh, there's been several times Molly and I have, have talked to, to people in, in, in marriages and couples that are really facing a hard time, really going through a hard time, a battle. And there's a difference between an emotional affair and a physical affair. Neither are good at all. But when you get your emotions tied up into something or somewhere that they don't belong, you've connected your soul where it doesn't belong. And those are way harder to try to overcome, to get through, because there's now ties. There's now connections. Physical is terrible. But a lot of times physical has everything to do with a spur of the moment want, desire, need. But when I'm emotionally invested, wow, there's something heavy. There's something different here. I'm connected in ways. Emotionally, my soul was connected. And it's a lot harder to come away from that than it is to wash our hands of a deed, of an action. I'm not permissing that. I'm saying that an emotional affair is way more difficult. And today, we could be in here, and on the outside, physically, man, we look like we got it all together. Bless the Lord, pastor. Oh, it's a great day to be in church. On the inside, you're emotionally a wreck. Why? Because you've connected your soul in places that it doesn't belong. Here, hey, I can be in church on Sunday. I can lift my hands. I can go through the motions. I can put on my best. I can, I can button up all the way to the neck. I'm good. But how's your soul? Emotionally, this is what we're talking about today. That emotion, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. You know, I was cutting the grass the other day, and I, I love cutting the grass. Cutting the grass, like Parker has helped me before, but I really don't even like it when he does. I know I need to teach him, but it is like my... My vent, right? Steve knows. There are a couple of weeks ago, I'm on the big John Deere tractor here. Just, I mean, like, I knew I was going to be speaking, and I'm like, I need to go cut grass. And they're like, what are you cutting grass for? You're speaking here in a couple of weeks. No, exactly. I need to go cut grass. I need to get my mind away from things. I love it. I love it. And we have a trampoline. Anybody have a trampoline in your yard? Anybody have a trampoline in your yard? Okay. So you'll understand this analogy. The other day, I was cutting grass at our house. And, you know, when you look out of our, of our house in the backyard, you kind of look down on the yard. Our trampoline's over here, and Molly knows, I, I can't stand for the grass to be high. I just can't. I'll mow it three times a week if I feel like it needs it. Um, and so, anyway, I go out there. Some of you guys are like, yeah, see, I told you. I told, you're telling your wives, hey, I'm, not, I'm not the only crazy one. Um, so I go out there, and I'm cutting the yard. And I'm at the bottom of the yard by the road, and I look up at the house, and under the trampoline was terrible. You know what I'm talking about? Like, when you cut the yard and you say, ah, I'll get, the, I'll get that grass under the trampoline next time. I'll get that under the trampoline next time. And then before you know it, when the kids are jumping, grass is coming up through the, and it's like, that is terrible. That's awful. I got to do something about that. If your soul was a yard... How many trampolines you got in your yard? I mean, seriously, because it got me thinking like, oh my gosh, that's an area where everything else is great. But I don't want to face what that thing is underneath. I, I, it's so inconvenient to get up underneath of that thing. If you try to weed eat it, you're on your knees and you're going like this. If you try to mow it, legit, I have taken half the handle down on the push mower before and gotten up underneath of it and done that. It is horrible. I hate it. But the same thing with our souls. You think of something, and you don't want to go back to that place in your life because, man, that was a hard life. Those people did me dirty, but it was 20 years ago. And now you're judging every new move that you make off of a hurt 20 years ago. That's a trampoline that hasn't been taken care of. Or you say, you know what? 
I've been going to that church for 10 years, and that pastor doesn't even know my name. You're offended. You're looking for offense. Why? Because you've not taken care of a root back here. You've not cut the grass in the corners of your soul And now every time you have an opportunity to make a new relationship, to get fed in a good church, to walk in in fullness of what God's trying to bless you with in your life, uh, the filter is the trampoline. And you don't allow new things to happen because what happened back here, it's just inconvenient to take care of. I would rather just not talk about that, let it go. And in the deep, dark, cobwebby corners of your soul, you're as unhealthy as it gets. Some of you can think right now, maybe, maybe there's one, maybe there's 10, maybe you're like, I lost count, I'm counting toes now, I don't know. But you've got some things in your past that, nope, I'm never going to revisit. I don't want to revisit, things are okay, I'm not going to go back, I'm not going to repent, I'm not going to face those people anymore, I'm not going to open my heart like that, I'm not going to allow relationship to fulfill me the way that I thought that one was because now, listen, some of you are in, in a marriage, maybe your second marriage, and you're telling your spouse, don't do that. That's what they used to do to me. That's how they used to treat me. And you know, no, we, we've got to disconnect ourselves from the things in our life that we don't want to mow the grass under because, man, it's inconvenient. It's hard. It'll be painful If I have to rip that scab off, if I have to go and have a conversation, I'd rather just keep things the way they are. That's unhealthy. That is an unhealthy way to live your life. If you want to prosper spirit, soul, body, if you want to see these things around you begin to change, then you have to be able to shed some light on some things that maybe you went through a long time ago. Some of y'all have some really deep hurts. Some really bad things have happened to you in the past. You don't wear it on your face. You don't let anybody see it. You may be the only one that knows about it. But it's held you back for so long. And you have forfeited relationships. And you have forfeited God's blessing, God's hand in your life. Because it would be too painful to bring back up. I know we're getting deep. And I'm glad that you guys are silent because in the, in the beginning I said I'd be the only one talking. But you, it's okay. You guys can respond a little bit. But you understand that these things hold us back from moving forward. They do. They hold us back from moving forward. Your soul prospers, point one. We have to read our soul. This is our head, right? We have to read our soul. You know, your soul, if you look at it, it's kind of like an inward child, right? We just sang about it. Come on, soul. Come on. Now, Parker, Finley, there are times a lot of our conversations start with, come on, Parker. <laughs> come on, Finley. We know better than that. We can do better than that. Why would you do that? These are the same conversations that we need to be having with our soul. Come on, soul. Oh, why would you get caught up in that mess? Come on, soul. I need you. I need you to be strong. I need you to be full of courage. Come on, soul. Come on, Parker. Sometimes, come on, Molly. (laughs) Come on. You know better. Come on, soul. David gives us a great illustration, Psalm 42. Verses 1, as the deer pants longingly for the water brooks, so my soul pants longingly for you, O God. My soul, my life, my inner self thirsts for God, for the living God. When will I come and see the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night. Why they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I vividly remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go along before the great crowd of people and lead them in procession to the house of God like a choir master before his singers. Timing out the steps to the music and the chant of the song. With a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a great crowd keeping a festival. What's David doing here? He's reading his soul. He is reading his soul. 
And we make, it's, it's amazing, I was having a conversation the other day um, with Pastor Devin Savannah, and I said, we make praise songs out of David's mess. It's crazy. As a deer pants for the water, you remember that song? This is David in a desperate time of his life, screaming, God, my soul, as, as a deer pants for the water. Can you imagine how depleted his soul must have been? As thirsty as the deer gets for water, he's panting. My soul is panting. It is starving. It is thirsty. God, when will I see you again? When will I feel your presence again? He's reading his soul. This is how my soul feels. This is what's going on in my soul. And then he chooses to remember, man, I used to lead processions of people. And now I found out that I'm in a place where my soul, man, it is literally almost dead within me. Reading his soul. You know, in, in golf, I'm not a golfer. I love to golf. I just love being out there. But whenever you get on the green, what do you do? You read the green. Before you make a putt, and you see some guys, they're here. They're reading the green. I don't know what they're doing, but they're reading the green. <laughs> and I'm like, just hit the, hit the ball. Give it your best shot. Let's go. And they're reading it. And man, it could be a long putt. It could be a short putt, and they're still down here reading. Why? Because they want to make that shot count. They don't want to have to two-putt from five feet away. They just want, if I read this right now, and I don't get in a hurry, I could do the best I could at making this shot count. Same thing with our soul. We have to read it. Oh, soul, why are you tired? Can we go back and look Maybe this is the reason. Maybe this is why I feel so defeated. Maybe this is why I feel so depleted. I have to read my soul. And we have to be able and willing to read our soul. How do you get able? How do you get able? Well, oh, I just feel like I'm in a horrible place. You get able when you get willing. When you get willing... To go look at the trampoline, to go start something up and say, yeah, it's, it's time to take care of this. That's when you'll be able to overcome it. Because you know, and the problem is, is we're not willing. We just want to leave it. We just want to say, okay, you know what? It's been like that for years. That was 10 years ago. And, you know, I have a good life. I'm, I'm good. But it will hold you back. You're able when you're willing. We have to be willing to read first the patterns of our soul. There's a difference between a season of life and a pattern that your soul is in. If you can find yourself being offended over and over and over, when you think about that person, oh, when you think about that situation, oh, when you think about the hurt that it caused you yesterday, oh, Yesterday, we were at a soccer tournament. I'm going to get real with you for a second. And the team that we played, their coaches, awful. I mean, like, yelling, screaming, demeaning, demoralizing kids publicly, in their face, parents on the sideline. I mean, like, terrible, horrible. And one of the parents at one point came behind me, right behind my chair, and was like, get Yelling at his daughter, get out there. Now you either play or you get out of here. And I'm sitting there. I'm getting ready to speak tomorrow on my, on my soul. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, I wanted so bad to just be like, you know what? Mm, take, let's go. Come here. <laughs> so bad. And I'm like, okay, just give me strength. Give me strength. It was... It was after the half, and man, he came and, and started going again. And these parents over here, um, or the, the coaches, it was, the other team kicked it out, and the ref was saying, it's a blue throw, it's a blue throw. Well, no one heard it, so I just yelled, hey, it's a blue throw. And that coach said, well, it shouldn't be. And I said, well, that's what he called. <laughs> oh, I wanted so bad to be like, Official timeout on me, right here. <laughs> so we kept going, 
And the guy came right up behind me again. Started screaming, started yelling. And at this point, the parent beside me, which is on our team, he's like, that dude is psychotic. I was like, I know, but I wonder if he knows it. And I wonder if we should do him a favor by telling him that he is psychotic. I wanted to. But I thought, I'm preaching a message tomorrow on your soul. And I didn't. Today, I was chewing gum. And I bit the side of my jaw. And I thought, the words that I wanted to say, I can't because I'm preaching this morning on what's your soul? How's your soul? And then a little bit later, I put another piece of chewing gum in and bit the same spot. <laughs> and at that point, I sounded like the robbers from Home Alone. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my gosh, like what? What happens when something like that happens? Now that's silly illustrations. But what do you initially, from the get-go, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to answer that guy over there. I want to tell this guy what I think about him. Oh, my gosh, I want to say words that wouldn't be pleasing. I don't think anybody's ever heard before, but they're just starting to come out of my mouth. Like, no, what's the initial thing? When you remember that thing in your life, what's the first thing that rises up? Is it anger? Is it payback? Is it I need to, I need to get vindication for myself? I'm going to take up for my family. Is it, is it this rage on the inside to say, you know what, no, no, you're never going to do that to me again. That's a, that's a trampoline. That's one of those moments in the yard of our soul that's a corner of, of, of our yard that we have not taken care of before. Patterns are different than seasons. We all go through things in life. Like I said, we're not in charge of those things that happen around us. But when we're, when we're stuck in a pattern, only our our faith in God and our willingness to go confront those things, that's what gets us unstuck. Another thing, the desires of our soul. The desires of our soul, the longing. I've seen people over and, and over and over forfeit the call of God on their life because they just want to go try something different. They just want to go see what it feels like over here. Knowing this is not what I need to do, but hey, listen, I just, I, I'm going to follow the direction that I want my soul to go in. And what we focus on the most is what? That's the direction we're heading. That's where our lives will end up. Another thing, the ne neglect of our soul. We're outward focused. We're, we're bitter. We're comparison. We're negative thinking. Victim mentality. These are ways that we openly neglect our soul. We openly neglect our Choosing to feel like that, we openly say, all right, I'm neglecting my soul. We know on the inside, we want to believe all of the promises, everything that God says about us, but we openly neglect our soul when we choose to have a victim mentality. Well, they get theirs. You know what? I've done the same thing, and here they got the promotion. They've been here half the time that I've been. It always happens to me. You know what that reminds me of? There's a story in the Bible of you know, the guy by the pool of Bethesda. And it said this guy is lame. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move. And, and there was an angel that would always come every day and stir the waters. And anybody, the first person that was in the water was healed, right? So this guy had been there for years and years and years and years. He, 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 he found his life there. Jesus walks on the scene. And comes to him and says, hey, do you want to be healed? Well, yeah, but every time the angel comes down, no one will pick me up and put me in the water. And Jesus, okay, do you want to be healed? Yeah, but you know what? They'll pick this guy up and they'll put him in. And, and many before me have gone in and gotten in the pool. And I've been here longer, but they, they just never will put me in. And you can just imagine Jesus at this, mo at this moment. Like, I'm not asking you what happened to you. I'm not asking you why you're in this situation. I'm asking you if you want to be healed from what is ailing you at this moment. And all you do in respond is talk about what happened back then. All you do in response to me asking if I can come into your life and heal you, make you well, and make you whole is basing what I want to do off of what they've done for you.
off of what they've not done for you. And Jesus finally says, listen, dude, do you want to be well? Yeah. Made him well. But there was, there was something that he had to do in order to stay well, and that's to pack his junk and start walking. Get out of this environment that always reminds you of what happened and start walking. Get out of the place that, that, that has crippled you for so long, not even just physically. Yeah, he had a physical ailment. Do you understand that it's nothing for God to heal you of something? Actually, we already walk in healing. It's just one of the reasons we don't experience. He already provided that. It's because it's not well with our soul. He healed him of the physical, but in order for him to experience the spiritual part, he had to take his stuff, and he had to go on a journey away from the old crowd, away from the old people, away from his old friends, away from the comfort, away from the mess, away from everything that re reminded him of what kept him there. You got to go. You have to go. But when we choose to stay in those places, then we choose to openly neglect our soul. Yeah, you know what? We want you to do it, God, but if it means me being uncomfortable for a while, if it means me having to, to put the work in to go for it, no, I just want you to take it. Lord, I just want you to take it. You're big enough to take it. Well, you're not strong enough to carry it on your own. So what's the give? If he's big enough to take it and you're not strong enough to carry it on your own, then what do you have to do? I'm going to have to surrender it. I'm going to have to give it. Lord, I wish, wouldn't it be awesome if he could just, or if he would just, you know what? Yeah, everything you've, you've been, it's all gone. Don't worry about it. Yeah, you don't have to walk through that. You don't have to trust me through that. I've already taken care of it. That'd be easy, right? Where's faith needed for that? But you know he's given us the measure of faith to take one step after another, to continue walking towards those things. Healing in the Bible, we always get super blown away when it's a miraculous boom. And God can still do that. Don't get me wrong. He can still do that. But a lot of those healings in the Bible that we read about are progressive. As they walked, they were healed. As they moved, pick up your bed and walk. As he walked, he began to walk the fullness of that healing. The lepers that came to him, as they walked, they began to be healed. When his faith becomes so lazy for us that we feel like we have to do nothing. We have to walk these things out. We have to be willing to go back, to look under, oh, man, there's some things happening down there that I need to take care of. That's a hard conversation, but that's one towards soul health. Point two, we're going to continue this story with David. I love this. Psalm 42, this is verse 5 and 6. Now he's talking to his soul. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become restless and disturbed within me? This is where it changed. It changes. Hope in God and wait expectantly for him. For I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Point number two, we have to lead our soul. We have to lead our soul. This is shoulders. Remember head, we have to read. Shoulders. We have to lead. We have to be willing to lead. Pastor Mitch, I'm going to ask you to come up here. I told him I was going to do this, but I want to give you guys kind of a, an illustration maybe of what this looks like. Dude, what's up? What's up? Are you going to put that on for me? Uh, should I? You should. Yes, you should. <laughs> Pastor Mitch, we've been friends for a long time, and never have I asked you to put a blindfold on. <laughs> Are you nervous? I'm nervous. <laughs> So shoulders, shoulders, this is, this, is, this is my soul. I should have got somebody else that's a little bit shorter. <laughs> this is my soul, right? If we have to lead our soul, I need to grab the shoulders of my soul. And can we put that, that verse up? Check this out. This is what this was intended to do. The one, yeah, check this. You know, have you ever heard the scripture, the Lord is my shepherd? I shall not want. This is David, still David. Dude's a mess. This is him speaking to his soul. But this is what it looks like to lead your soul. The Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. Okay, do you think there's, do you really have to find like an open field somewhere and go lay down for your soul? No, this, he's talking to his soul. What does that represent, rest? He leads me beside the still waters. What does that mean? That's, that's rest. That's rest. Check this next part out. You don't have no idea where you're going, dude. He restores my soul. Now, stay right there. Why would he say that he restores my soul? Why doesn't it say he keeps my soul clean? He takes care of my soul. He is the guardian of my soul. He's got my soul packed up in his little spiritual box where nothing can ever come around it. No, he restores it. Why? Because sometimes we make a mess of it. Because our soul is not his responsibility. It's ours. What we give the attention, what we allow to take lease, to take rent within our souls, that's what we've allowed. Now, after we've done it so long, so long, we've followed our own thing for so long, now what needs to happen? I need to give my soul so he can do what? Restore my soul. I need to surrender my soul. I need to surrender my mind, my will, my emotions, my thoughts. Why? Because he's in a restoration business. And that's the only one I can go to for him to be able to restore my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You have no idea where you are, do you? <laughs> your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now listen, I heard someone, stay right there. I heard someone say, What's the difference between a rod and a staff? You ever thought about that? They said, it depends on if you're a sheep or a wolf. See, we trust the scripture. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Oh, thank you. But what does a rod represent? Your staff represents he's leading me. That's a good shepherd. But what does the rod represent? Protection. There's comfort in protection, absolutely. But there's also comfort in correction. So when we trust him with our soul, what if the Holy Spirit starts to put some things in focus for us? What if he uses the rod to say, you know what, Mitch, right here, look, that right there, that's nasty. Before I continue leading you to what I have for you, can we go ahead and fix that? Can you give that to me? Can you surrender that part of your life? Right? Some of us are there, right? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness, don't be, hey, listen, man, let me lead you, let me lead you. <laughs> Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You get it? This is what it's intended to be. What happens when we switch? Right here, yep. Lead me, soul. <laughs> For real. It's more like this, hey, I can be the best, best version of me over here. Why don't you just follow me here for a little bit? Man, this feels good. This feels good. Oh. oh, hey, over here, over here. Oh, this girl's hot over here. <laughs> hey, I'm going to see what this looks like over here for a little bit. Soul, hey, just hang out. Get attached. You know what? Oh, this relationship's been super hard. This season of my life's been super Finances are, are rough. I just need to go find it. Let's, let's, let's go hang out here with these people because I feel like they, they're at least laughing. They don't have it all together, but they're at least laughing. There's got to be something here at the end of this bottle, at the end of this pipe, at the end of this drug, something, something. Just, just lead me here, soul. And we find ourselves in this place 
where everywhere that we stop when we allow our soul to lead us is a trampoline in the yard of our soul. And now at some point when we say, okay, Lord, here's my heart, here's my soul. I want to live for you, right? All right. This is what a lot of times happens. It doesn't go away. Hey, we need to go back here and fix this. We need to go back here and take care of some things that happened back here. I've forgiven you for it. I'm walking with you through it. But can you trust me? Open your heart to me. Open your, over here, listen, this was a bad deal, man. You should never have done this, Mitch. Mitch. <laughs> we got to take care of some things. You know, one thing that the Holy Spirit does, he's an amazing comforter. And have you ever been just in the presence of God and it just makes you cry? I was sitting on my back porch last night, finishing up this message, and I just got emotional. And I'm like, I, uh-uh. I get emotional when I see my little girl dance or something like, something like that, you know, just beautiful. But man, I got emotional. Thinking of the things that, what have I forfeited in my life because, man, I've neglected these areas of my life. What more could God have done in my past than I let him because I was unwilling to cut underneath the trampoline of my life, of my soul, the deep, dark, cobweb corners of my soul. And it was quickly that God, listen, I'm the God of your today, and I'm the God of your yesterday. But there's sometimes you just got to let me restore those things that you think of, that keep you up at night, the things that you feel like, man, I missed it. I missed it with my children. I miss the moment. Lord, I forfeited so much. I've walked away from you. Oh, Lord. Let him be the God of those things. Let him lead you. Sometimes we think that's just immediately straight towards the promises. He's got a promise for you. But sometimes in order to experience the physical, we've got to go back. We've got to deal with the spiritual side of things. We can no longer allow ourselves to be led in a culture that says, hey, be the best version of you you can be. Hey, it doesn't matter. You can, you can be whatever you want to be. Don't let your parents tell you. Don't let, don't let your church tell you. Don't let your pastors tell you that's off limits. No way. Nothing's off limits. Man, do what makes you feel good. That's our soul leading us. It's time that we put the our hands on the shoulders of our soul and say, oh, my soul, I've read you. And I understand why we're in this place, but let me lead you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though I might experience failures, though I might experience hardships, though I might not have all the answers, you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Surely the goodness of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? That's walking towards the promises of God. You're good. You can see. All right. Go get ready, brother. We overcome and we conquer in God's presence. When David, under point number two here, when David began to read his soul, he said, why are you in despair, O soul? And why have you become restless and disturbed within me? Then he starts to lead his soul. Even though all that's happening, soul, you will hope in God. And you will wait expectantly for him, for I shall again praise him for the help of my presence. He will show us the way and lead us as long as we stay in his presence. Let's continue this. We're wrapping up. Psalm 42, 7 and 8 says, Deep calls to deep at the thundering sound of, the, of your waterfalls, at your breakers and your waves. All of your breakers and waves, they have rolled over me. Now, this, this is not something that you're probably going to be able to relate with. What he's saying is, man, life has beat me up. I've walked through things. I feel like I have been run over. I feel like I have been pummeled by decisions that I've made, by life's waves. I feel like I've been hit by everything that could possibly come my way. That might be you. But there's one word that changes everything, and it's this, yet. Yet the Lord 
will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song will be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. You see the difference in the contrast between reading your soul and actually leading your soul? Yeah, this has happened. Why are you in despair, soul? Man, it feels like I have been run over by life. It feels like I have absolutely had everything hit me all at once. It feels like I'm in a place in life where I don't even know what I have to offer. Yet, there will come a day where my soul will bless the Lord. And I think it's so ironic that we do in churches for years, decades, decades, decades. We've sang songs, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times, right? His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, that's a sweet song. But how that was written was a little bit different. So why are you so in despair? Yet I will bless the Lord at all time. Lord, let your praise be the song on my lips. Let your praise be the song in my soul. This is a desperate moment for David. And those are good words to sing. I'm not saying that. Those are fantastic songs. But when we understand the conversation that we have to have with our soul. That even when you don't feel like blessing the Lord, even when you don't feel like you have anything else to offer, even when your life has been crazy, things have happened to you that are terrible, you can fill in the blank. But if you stay there, that's it. That's the end of your journey. Right there. That has defined your whole life. Everything that's happened to you and that will happen to you can be defined by the moment that you went through way back then, if that's where you stay. But if you add a three-letter word into your dialogue about your soul, yet, I will bless the Lord at all times. I'll be content in this season. I will walk through this season. I will believe that even though there was greatness back there, I can believe for greater things to come. Why? Because I'm not going to allow my soul to be in despair and downhearted. I'm going to lead my soul, and I'm going to believe for something more. Point number three, you have to feed your soul. Feed your soul. This is knees. So we've got head, we've got to read. Shoulders, we have to lead. And our knees, we have to feed. How much time are you spending in God's presence? What's your prayer life like? What's your worship like? Mr. Spurlock, he, uh, he said something. You have one-liners, Mr. Spurlock. I don't know. Where, there you are. That I'm like, you just need to write a book. It's ridiculous. You say stuff in passing that uh, we were at Lyft not long ago, and he said something that I'm like, and he, he was like, okay, he said it, and then he's like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I'm like, stop. Like, dude, you got to talk about this a little bit, you know? But so many times in, in our walk, I, I think I, I mentioned it, religion will tell you that you got to get everything right. You've got to fix everything before you can come to God. The law tells you that. Before you can enter his presence, you got to fix some things. Are you kidding me? You can't walk in the presence of a king looking like that. You can't come with that. That stuff's off limits. You've got to fix this thing before you enter his presence. That's what religion will tell you. I've been in churches where they've asked people to leave because they had the wrong thing on. We don't wear that in church here. We don't carry ourselves like that. That's pompous. That's disgusting. And Mr. Spurlock said this one thing, and I love this. He said, under the law, we work for God, but under grace, God works for us. You understand that under the law, you were not good enough. You never would be good enough. You broke one of them, you broke all of them. Good luck. Good luck. You want to you build your Christian walk out of that bondage? Go ahead and try it. Let's see how far you get. 
let me work. God, I'll work for your presence. I'll, I'll, I'll do everything right. I'm going to work for your favor. I'm going to get your attention with all the good things that I do. Have fun. That's law mentality. But under grace, there's a new thing at work. Where sin abounded much, where my failures were great, where my desperation was so heavy, his grace abounds even more. When I couldn't take another step, when it was too weighty, when I didn't know what way I was going to go, whenever I thought my failures was the sum of my life and I'm sinking in the decisions that I made years ago and I'm sinking in the attitudes of despair that I've, I've walked through and I'm sinking through the screens of life that I've judged my future upon. Man, even then, there's more grace than that? Yeah. There's more grace than that. God's bigger than that. We've got to switch our thinking, church. We can no longer just sit here and say, God, I, I'm stuck. No, you're not. You're stuck because you, you choose to be stuck. Lord, I'm, I'm just down and out right now. No, you are not. You are a child of the king. Lord, you don't know. Yeah, I do. Yep. Yeah, I do. He's not about religion. He's about relationship. The last verse in Psalm 42, this is David wrapping everything up. Why are you in despair, oh my soul? We've heard him say that. He's reading his soul. Why have you become restless and disquieted within me? Here he goes. He's going to start leading. Hope in God and do what? Hmm? I know you can read. What does it say? Hope in God and do what? That's not what you wanted to hear, is it? Wait? Have to wait? We don't like waiting. That's why we have drive-thrus. I don't want to wait. I want it now. <laughs> we have to wait, yeah. Hope in God and do what? Wait. Can I say it another way? Rest. Rest. Just, just wait and rest. Expectantly for him. For I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance in my God. He read his soul. He led his soul. And now he's feeding his soul. What happens when we rest? We get confident. What happens when we wait? Hmm. We should be getting confident to say, you know what? I've surrendered it. Now, God, you do with it what only you can do. Maybe that might be a gift of strength that he's going to give you. Maybe that might be a, just an attitude adjustment that he's going he's to allow you to walk in. Lord, just help me. As I rest, just help me. I know you're not going to make this stuff disappear, but help me through it. Prepare me to walk in your promise. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. How's your soul? How's your soul? Can we stand to our feet? A prospering soul is a healthy soul. A prospering soul is a content soul. A prospering soul is a usable soul. It's an invested soul. It's an obedient soul. It's an, maybe one of the most important, aware soul. It's aware. It's aware. It's not sidetracked. I can understand when something's fighting for my soul, I'm gonna be aware of those things. And I'm still going to lead my soul. You know, I had a friend tell me one time, I, they own um, a CrossFit place. Actually, Pastor Mitch is a part of it. Owns a CrossFit place here locally. And I just went up to him and I said, Derek, 
you need to get me in shape, man. Like, you need to get me in shape. And he said, Shane, you got to get in a room. You just got to show up. Sometimes we do the same thing. God, fix this. Yo, man, you, you got you to show up. You gotta, you want, I can get you in shape. That's no problem. I'll make you throw up. I'll make you do all the things. We can make that happen. But we can't do anything if you stay where you are. See, you have to get in the room. Well, that changes things. Now, don't hate me. But I look at live stream kind of the same way. We love our live stream. When you're not here, whatever. But if I were to put a fireplace on this, the big screen, massive screen, it'd be pretty cool looking, right? Would you feel the benefit of what that fireplace was putting off? But if I started a fire right here and I said, hey, get in your PJs, bring your recliners to church, this is how we're going to have church today. Guess what? The closer to the fire you could get, why? Oh, there's warmth. There's rest. Oh, I feel it. I feel, I'm not just staring at a fireplace on a screen. I'm looking at the fireplace and experiencing the benefits of what it has. Get in the room. You got to get in the room. Well, I just want to experience breakthrough in my life, but I tell you what, I don't even want to get a shower on Sunday morning. I don't want to get ready. I don't want to walk in those doors. I don't even know if half those people would even recognize if I wasn't there or not. Huh? Just get in the room. Just come get in the presence of God. Oh, my soul, get in the presence of God. Oh, my soul, what's going to fix my soul? In the presence of God. In the presence of God. You know, and you, you, could, you could come here today and think, you know, I don't, I don't have much to give. And we look at David, the same David. David and Goliath, right? We know, we know this story. What did David kill Goliath with? Slingshot? Mm-mm. The sword? Mm-mm. Well, that's the only two options, Pastor Shane. What are you going to try to make up and squeeze scripture and fit your narrative? No, no, I'm just telling you. Read this. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but what? I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. David in his hand had a slingshot. But that's not what killed Goliath. What killed Goliath is in when he took what he had in his hand and he dedicated it to the Lord. And he said, this is all I got. But Lord, if you use this, I'm going to go before this Goliath and I'm going to let him know before I got a weapon to use, I come to you in the name above every other name. That at that name, every knee shall bow, every Goliath will fall, every giant in my life will have to, have to fall over. Because he may, people looking at that may have said, you have a sling, dude, this guy's been tormenting us for days. And you're going to go with a slingshot? Nope. I'm not going with a slingshot. I will fail with just a slingshot. But when I dedicate what I have in the natural to the spiritual, then we see results. I don't come to you with a spear and a sword and a javelin or a slingshot or a sword or rocks or stone, I come to you in the name of the Lord. And some of those things in your past, you have to say, I'm not going to fight you how I've been fighting you. I'm not going to look at you through a, a set of natural eyes anymore. I'm going to come to you that it, when I speak the name of Jesus to those things, something's got to change. When I dedicate what I have to say, what I have in my hand, it might just be a hallelujah, but a hallelujah submitted to the King of kings and the Lord of lords is bigger than anything that you can do on your own. Bigger than anything that you have. When we take what we have in the natural and we put it in the hand of God, he can do the supernatural thing. So we're gonna lift this up a little bit. We're gonna revisit this song. And today, I'm going to speak some scripture over you. we got to say, come on, soul. Everybody say, come on, soul. Come on, soul. Put your hand on your chest right now. All over this place, close your eyes. Put your hand on your chest. Say, come on, soul. Come on, soul. You know exactly what you're going through. You know exactly what your past looks like, what's been said over you, what's been done to you. Come on, soul. 
Come on, soul. My soul will choose to worship. My soul will choose to exalt. My, cho- my soul will choose to magnify. What is magnifying? When I, put a, a, when I put a magnifying glass up to something, does it just get bigger? No, it gets bigger to me. It doesn't get bigger to you. It gets bigger to me. When David says, come on, let's magnify the Lord, guess what? It's saying, let the Lord get big. Let him get bigger than your things. Let him get bigger than your problems. Oh, my soul. Come on, soul. You know better. Come on, soul. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Come on, soul. Come on, soul. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, soul. Come on, soul. Praise the Lord, my soul. All of my inmost beings, praise his holy name. Come on, soul. I I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Come on, soul. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Come on, soul, for he has satisfied the thirsty and the hungry soul has filled with what was good. Come on, soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And forget not one, none of his benefits. Come on, come on my soul.